My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Mr. Watt, how are you, oh, going? Mate, how you going? Nice thanks, to see you. Thanks for um, you thanks too. for taking this on the fly. That's okay. I've heard a lot about you guys, but I don't think I've ever done anything with you. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday, the 26th of September. I'm Sam. I'm Billy. I'm the editor of The Daily Oz. And according to experts, Australia could be about to face one of the most challenging bushfire seasons in modern history. With record high temperatures already seen this month, landscapes are ready to burn after a number of rain-heavy years, and extreme dry heat on the radars, emergency authorities are rushing to prepare for the worst. Yesterday, Australia's first National Disaster Preparedness Summit got underway. It continues today with a full-scale emergency simulation. Joining me on the podcast today is Australia's Minister for Emergency Management, Murray Watt. He's the person in Anthony Albanese's government who's in charge of making sure Australia is preparing for natural disasters. So are we ready for the bushfire season? I'm going to put that to him in today's interview. But first, Billy, what is making headlines this morning? New employment measures have been announced to encourage older Australians to either keep working or return to work. The government has announced incentives for aged pension recipients and eligible veterans who will be able to work more without their pension being impacted under a new bonus scheme. Minister for Social Services Amanda Rishworth said the changes would help to remove barriers often faced by those looking to re-enter the workforce. Australia's tourism economy is expected to be boosted by a decision to allow Chinese tourism groups to return to Australia. Visa processing applications for Chinese tour operators recommenced on Monday after a suspension in the wake of the pandemic. The government said Chinese group tours contributed almost $600 million to the Australian tourism industry in 2019. That represented almost a third of the entire contribution from Chinese tourism in Australia. And big news for the TV and film industry, the Writers Guild of America has agreed to a tentative deal with Hollywood Studios, 146 days after strike action began. The details of the proposed agreement have not been made public, but were described by WGA as exceptional. A vote to accept the deal is expected to occur in the coming days. And today's good news, Tigger Stasifer has broken the Women's Marathon World Record. Stasifer finished the Berlin Marathon in just under 2 hours and 12 minutes. It's more than 2 minutes faster than the record set back in 2019. Almost as fast as you can do, hey Sam? Nearly, nearly (laughs) as fast. Mr. Watt, welcome to the podcast. Give me a sense of where you've come from, where you're driving to. Uh, Today's a bit of a crazy day, actually. I'm going to be going through four different cities today. Um, I started out this morning in Canberra, um, uh, where we had the opening of the Preparedness Summit. Um, And I'm currently on my way to a cabinet meeting in Adelaide. But to get here, I had to go through Sydney. And then I'll be flying home to Brisbane tonight. That is an unusually busy day. That's a, that's a lot of carbon emissions. It is. It's not ideal. And it's why we try not to do it very regularly. And how was the Preparedness Summit announcement? Were there any tangible actions already that have come out of that? Uh, yeah, look, I think it's been a really good exercise. The point of the National Disaster Preparedness Summit, and this is the first time one has ever been held, is to bring together about 250 to 300 
industry, government and community leaders to make sure we're all on the same page about the coming disaster season. Um, I mean, we already know that we're going to be facing um, much hotter, drier conditions than we have really since Black Summer. And while all the fire authorities have been working hard for months to be ready, it's important we also bring together the community sector and the private sector mm. to make sure, sure that everyone's on the same page, understands what we're likely to be facing and, and is ready to deal with it. But from where you're sitting at the moment, do you feel like Australia is ready for the bushfire season? Yes, I do. I, I feel confident that we're as well prepared as we possibly can be. And we're certainly a lot better prepared than we were as a country heading into black summer. You know, they, you can never completely eliminate risk in a country like Australia. And, and as I say, whatever we do, we know we are going to be facing, you know, serious bushfires and heat waves than mm. we for a while now. Um, but the least we can do is make sure that everyone's ready. And that's what we're certainly trying to do. Whenever there's been major natural disasters, bit floods, fires in Australia, there's always this discussion that happens, and we often write explainers about whose job is it to respond. Is it a state government's job to respond? Is it the federal government's job to respond? What's your answer to that? Whose job is it? Look, I think it's clear uh, that primarily states and territories have responsibility when it comes to disaster management. Uh, but there is no doubting that the federal government have an important leadership role. Yeah. And I think that's probably something we've tried to do differently from the former coalition government. You know, you won't be hearing Albo talking about not holding a hose, right. finger pointing at states and things like that. So, yeah, look, I think that we'll always see disaster management primarily a state responsibility. Uh, but the federal government does have that national leadership role. And, of course, there's particular things we do around funding uh, for prevention and recovery. We obviously provide the defence forces uh, at, at, in critical times as well. Um, and But bottom line is we want to work cooperatively with people and get the best outcome. I'm keen to discuss the role of the army and the defence force in, in all of this because there's been some interesting commentary over the last few days about a review that said that the defence force shouldn't really be part of the response. It should, rather should be a last resort. Do you agree with that assessment from the review? Yes, I do. Um, I mean, the reality is that our defence forces, their key job is obviously the defence of the nation. Mm. And let's face it, we do live in a bit of a more uncertain world these days. And every time we take our defence forces out to help with disasters, that is time that they're not spending preparing and they're doing their training exercises, which we need them to do. Yeah. Having said that, um, I want to be really clear that um, in a major crisis situation, I can guarantee people that the Defence Forces will be there to help. Uh, and in actual fact, right now, or over the last couple of weeks, we've had Defence Force personnel and equipment in the Northern Territory helping deal with some of the bushfires up there. Mm. Um, but what we do need to do is get to a point where they're seen as the last resort rather than the first port of call. Right. Um, you know, so I've, I've seen the Defence Forces in action in disaster situations. They do an incredible job. And there are times when only they are up to the job and the equipment that they have and the skills they have, mm. um, but we can't over-rely on them. We're, we're trying to put in place some alternatives uh, as a way of reducing that pressure, but still making sure Australians get the support they need. So let's have a think about those alternatives. I mean, we've got declining numbers of volunteer firefighters, and one of the interesting ideas that's been tabled this week has been a future where young Australians could potentially have some sort of national mandatory community service. So you could see young people actually serving their time as a volunteer firefighter. What do you think of that model? Um, look, I, I probably don't support mandating those kind of things for people. I think people should be given those sorts of options. But I do think that there probably are some young people who might be interested in 
a voluntary um, uh, form of service uh, that is probably more about disaster preparation and resilience, which obviously has a strong environmental connection as well, a bit like, say, the Army Reserves. Mm. You know, not every young person is going to want to go into the Army Reserves, but there might be, be younger people who are interested in uh, doing something that's about helping um, prevent environmental damage from disasters and things like that. But it's not as if that would be the only option, and we're, we're a long way from making those decisions yet. As I say, you know, one option might be simply about helping the states and territories to build up their volunteer forces, given they are, you know, primarily in charge. Should we be paying for volunteer firefighters? Um, look, I think we we probably, given the scale of the task that we face, yeah. I think we are are always going to be relying on volunteers to a degree. But I remember through Black Summer, and and even since then, I've met volunteers all around the country, and there is a high level of of fatigue because of how much people have been relied on. Um, there are some states and territories at the moment who have what are called uh, auxiliary firefighters, mm. who are people who are effectively put on part-time employment, um, particularly during fire seasons, and that's what they do in some other countries as well. So there might be scope for that kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't think it's realistic to think that every single person who helps out in a disaster situation is going to be a paid employee. And and I think, you know, there's something about the Australian spirit about volunteering to help out each other in those situations as well. Last question from me. Let's say that you and I are having a chat in April or May next year and I ask you how the fire season was. What would a successful bushfire season look like to you? Uh, it would be a season where um, everyone who had a role to play came together and did the very best they could without trying to apportion blame and uh, and try to buck pass and avoid responsibility. I mean, I can't guarantee that we won't lose properties and, God forbid, even lives or animals or, or environmental damage. You know, they are always risks in disaster seasons. Mm. Um, but what I want to make sure of is that we are as well prepared as we possibly can and that we all cooperate when things get real. Um, and, and if we do that, I think we can really limit the damage and limit the loss of life, which mm. is really what we need to be about. Minister Watt, thanks for joining us on the road. We appreciate your time. Great to talk, Sam. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Daily Oz. If you liked it, you can leave us a review on Spotify or Apple and Sam and Zara will be back with you tomorrow.